everyone, welcome back to Reality 2.0. This one I'm really excited about, um, as you can tell by the tone of my voice, because we are, we're following up on our previous episode where Kyle dove into the deep and but yet murky and also, anyway, uh, very cold, I don't know, waters of Kubernetes and cloud native and landscapes and all that stuff. And, and we talked about a new software, a new Linux desktop uh, called Bluefin. And today, Doc and I and Kyle are back, and we've got George Castro, too, who created this whole thing. So thank you, George. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Doc. I don't know, say a thing. Maybe I don't know. Yay, we're here. We're all going to nerd out. I don't know what to say about that. But um, but yeah, so I'm super excited about this because this is going to be a really good kind of part two to the last one. And we're Mm going to get some answers and we're going to figure some stuff out and we're going to get excited about Linux desktops again. What's that? That's crazy, right? Yeah. So so this is going to be fun. So um, you know what? Just to get started, Kyle, why don't you tell us a little bit, just kind of recap what you've been doing the last couple of months, uh, getting your, your, your hands dirty in the cloud native world. So just to recap uh, from the last episode, uh, I am have sort of rekindled my love for infrastructure. And so I'm looking around and seeing, you know, what's what's been going on with that. Uh, the And one of the things that I've noticed, you know, is, over the last, you know, six years, which is relevant because that's the last uh, gig where I was really going big into building out infrastructure on the cloud. Six years ago, um, technologies like uh, orchestration tools like Kubernetes were kind of, they're not quite ready for prime time. I mean, people were talking about them. There were, there were conferences, there were talks about it and stuff, but people were, it wasn't, it wasn't really something that people had, a lot of people were putting in production yet. Uh, and last gig, we didn't use it at all. We didn't need to. Uh, and, uh, but now I'm looking around, like I want to get in back into building out infrastructure. Well, Kubernetes has taken over. Like you look at basically yeah. every single infrastructure job out there, like must have 7,000 years of Kubernetes experience, even though, you know, realistically, like old, obviously. Old, yeah, <laughs> and, and realistically using it for reals in production, not that long. So, uh, but anyway, like, okay, well, let's dig into this. And so for the last, you know, few weeks, months, whatever, I have been, you know, re- retooling on that because, you know, I before it was the mainstream, what everyone did, those of us building out infrastructure we're still able to do it. We just used other tools, right? And so many of us have rebuilt, sort of like before um, you had a config management, everyone had the SSH for loop in-house version that they all used, right? right? And then everyone's like, oh, we have config management now. We don't have to do that anymore. Awesome. Now everyone, instead of going to a new job and having to learn their SSH for loop, you just sort of learn one of the three config management tools and you're good. This is sort of the same thing where instead of me saying, okay, here's my combination of Puppet and M Collective and blah, blah, blah to orchestrate stuff in the cloud. Now I have this sort of common set of tools, which is great um, because now I can go and learn it myself. So uh, what I did was uh, ask George, hey, buddy, uh, I want to do a deep dive into this stuff and just like learn everything. What should I do? And he pointed me to a couple of great guides, which we linked to in the last episode. And But the thing is, I wanted to get started right away. And I happen to be using George's Bluefin uh, Linux distribution. Oh, it's not really. I we can define it. We'll get to that we later. We'll get to that later. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, the the point is, I wanted to get started on uh, some Kubernetes guides out of the box, and out of the box, I switched over to the developer version of this um, this desktop, and everything just sort of worked. I was able to follow all these tutorials, run uh, using Kind, and set up a Kubernetes cluster locally on my computer, 
and run through all kinds of basic guides to get the understanding of the config syntax of the tool syntax and all the command line stuff that you need to do. Um, then moved on, and I don't, I can't remember at this point at, at our last talk the phase I was at. Um, I don't know whether I had touched bare metal yet or not. But um, you said you wanted to set it up in the home lab and run over and run your home services on there. And I oh, immediately was like, I, I need to get on this episode as quickly as possible. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so stop, stop the presses. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> for my own edification and just to learn this sure. stuff, I figured. While most people probably aren't going to be deploying the spare metal, I kind of want to understand a little bit more under the hood. So I had a spare mini PC lying around um, and went ahead and set up a like a default, you know, Debian 12 installation or whatever, and then set up Kubernetes as a bare metal install on that and started using that as more training stuff, which was good because nothing worked. And so I had to spend quite a while banging against it to get stuff to actually function. Uh, because every guide was wrong in one or two different ways, and so, it does, but that's great because that's how you learn. If something, I'm if so all proud guys... of you. I'm so <laughs> proud. So that the first time it I learned, my heart. Yeah. So usually when people <laughs> ask you how do I get started, they say run this, and they send you to Kelsey Hightower's Kubernetes the hard way. And I specifically did not send you that for two reasons. A, it's in the middle of being revised, so you know I kind of want you to go through it after you've done the thing. And I also kind of know how you've learned. And I've also learned that sending people to the official documentation, sometimes people forget how much work open source maintainers put into documentation. And just to know that you went and saw the upstream documentation. And that was one of, that was one of the things that you kind of called out were useful for you. That's, that's like the kind of win that everyone could celebrate. And I remember when I went through Kate's the hard way, the first thing out of my mind was, um, Never again. I totally am glad I did it. And it's one of those, you know, you get to earn your badge, right? But like, all right, now how how do I do it the easy way? Um, because there is like a lot of that complexity. But also, I think you touched into something that as I was listening to the episode reminded me is get a get wins under your belt. Build that confidence up. Like there's no... It's like when you learn Linux, you don't want your first Linux learning experience to be like, how do I fix my wireless card? Right? right. Like you <laughs> yeah. want it's nice to have a browser to look up what you need to fix your problem, you know, because eventually you are gonna need those skills eventually. So I, I'm really glad you were able to get up and running. And some of these higher level tools, well, quote unquote higher level tools like kind uh, and cube admin and stuff are kind of designed to to remove some of that complexity. And as you learn, you'll start to learn that. Oh, I kind of don't want that either. I kind of want to move up up that stack. Um, right. So I, 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 your story really resonated with me because it's very easy for us. You know, I, I kind of was. Com I'm coming on this podcast fresh from a uh, KubeCon, right? Where it's like, okay, now we need to get all the AI stuff is really like the workload yeah. right now that everyone's talking about, right? And and I'm gonna link you a video from Tim Hawking did a um, keynote about the next trillion core hours that Kubernetes is going to serve. Trillion with a T, right? And, and, and in your example, you were talking about Apache. I remember it was like, woohoo, the net data survey is up 2,000 Apache hosts this month, you know? And now we're, we're using numbers that are just so absurd now compared to how we grew up that mm, it's, it's almost easy to be like, to forget that, 
we still have a large class of people who are, we're, we're very privileged, right, to be at the cutting edge of technology. And we almost forget that there are people out there that, you know, like you are still, Kyle Rankin is still in the top 99% of people who are technically advanced in the general population. You know what I mean? And how do we serve those people and bring that technology to people uh, in a way that's consumable? Well, because because all it takes is a is a is a stint at a place that isn't using a particular technology, mm-hmm. right? If, if if you're if you're not someone that job hopped every two years or whatever, and yeah. you end up sticking around at a place, and they for whatever reason either don't need some sort of cutting edge tech or it's too cutting edge or whatever, they or yeah. they use something else, and then like so that so how well if it, especially something like infrastructure orchestration stuff where it's such a large. You have certain needs when you're deploying that, and it's more, mostly like professionally, right? You're yeah. not necessarily doing it personally. And so you kind of need like the job to push you into it. And so, yeah, it's like that with, it was like that with a lot of things, like with, with back in the day with Puppet or back in the day with a yeah. lot of other tools, right? You kind of have to have the need. You're not sitting there deploying Puppet at home to configure your one server, right? You right. Know, it's yeah. kind of overkill. So this reminds me, actually, I, I wanted to ask you this, George. Um, so... So my introduction to the, like Kubernetes and all that stuff was it was in the workplace, right? I, it was part of my work at the time, which was years ago, but um, not well that not that many years ago as a beginning for reasons we just discussed. But it was a few years ago, and so but you know we we had our I was switching teams, right? So I went to a team that had all this documentation and and not you know and here do this do this do this and set your environment and, and it works and sometimes <laughs> and you know and so there was an established way of doing things internally right so and mm-hmm. and that's what i was going on um if had i at the time um had exposure to something like your distribution or whatnot like how do you see like because people people kind of have their little established way of doing things but then you're kind of providing this other kind of nicely wrapped up in a bow kind of way of approaching it too like how would i um, how could I, how would I, if I could go back in time, <laughs> learn the way that Kyle is learning, but then also kind of like, kind of, you know, twist it into fit what I need to do in that sort of like workplace established best practices kind of thing. Like how do those translate? Right. Well, I'll tell you the Does selfish that make sense re- even 100% <laughs> okay. because it will make sense now when I tell you that I tricked Kyle into doing this because I know that I suspect due to experience that the solution to that is to productize Kyle people like Kyle, right? Like if, I mean, if if that's profitable, let's do it. Let's (laughs) do it right here. (laughs) Uh, I mean, you know, we, we have this, right. So there's, there's different layers of the stack, right. Up front, the kernel engineers at the very bottom, talking to the metal, right. And then the engineers below that doing the actual metal. Right. And then you have the people that make the software, the people who like release it. And all of these things are like a different skill set, the documentation teams, all of these. And then at the end of the day, there's like that end user that you want to product to that. You want them to consume it as a product, which is a little bit different from the old days, which was here's the source code. Good luck. Right. And if you can't figure it out, you're just not good enough. Right. Um, Whereas these days, I think open source has evolved to kind of take that more product based approach. That's like. I want to make sure that Kyle gets the best experience for learning the technology, but actually doing that is extremely difficult, right? Especially at the level of complexity that we're talking about, right? Um, So I think 
a large part of how we can make this better for people is capturing those workflows, figuring out what the pain points are, and then shipping them to as many people as possible, right? So you can, like if you grab, I think Docker desktop on the Mac or whatever, and you double click, it'll do the whole cluster thing for you. And, you know, app developers can get, you open your Visual Studio code, right? And it'll connect to the mm-hmm. thing and it's all magical and beautiful. And um, I get jealous when I see that some of these tools are available uh, for other platforms that aren't Linux, which is how I ended up kind of being like, you know, if I could, if I could take all of the stuff, all the ex- the good experience that Kyle have, and like package that, it's this is, uh, this is going to sound so weird. It's not as hard as you think. Famous last words, because like when we are at KubeCon, I I think we're having the conversation, and I said the world's greatest Unix workstation that you know, could teach the world all open source and everything is at this conference. It's just spread over 10,000 different laptops and different implementations mm. <laughs> and things like that, you know? And then because open source kind of puts you in this position where you believe you can do anything, you know, after you see Kubernetes, you're like, well, you know, I, I think I could do this. Right. And you have that, that confidence to kind of do it. And all you got to do is kind of like figure out, is there at least a few people who would help me out with this? Um, and that's how I kind of, you know, we were sitting around. I was like, why does not every laptop come with kind? Like who, who's to say, you know, we can't add a Kubernetes cluster as default Unix ex- developer experience forever, you know? Yeah. And I was like, well, I could do that. You know, I got, so we opened up a Git repo and we said, okay, putting kind in there is important. But people also want K3S. They want all these other tools uh, to manage it. I want to be able to get different versions of KubeCuddle and all of these tools, all that that entire landscape, like we know is there. You have to browse and figure it out, right? And then the smart kids, I'm, I'm privileged to be able to like work in the industry where I know how to get to all those GitHub repos and kind of cobble it together. Um, but who's, how do how do we... How do we kind of make that easier for people who are, you know, I mean, it's experience as you are, Kyle, like without asking me, yeah. how much harder would that have been? Oh, yeah. I mean, question for you, especially. Well, I can tell you because I can compare my experience on on Bluefin with my follow up experience on bare metal. Yeah. Uh, so experience on Bluefin. So, you know, first is getting pointed in some direction to like without any sort of guide then you're looking around okay well what's the guide and you just hope that your search query turns up a good one instead of a terrible one right but then you're you have to have you have to do it somewhere so you're either you know spending money on a cloud instance somewhere somewhere to do stuff or you're um or you're trying to do something bare metal but yeah so i can say that with you know Number one, having a, a known, good, kind of sane environment, getting those early wins when you're learning something is a huge deal. If you're doing like step three and everything just sort of breaks and doesn't work, it's like super right. demoralizing and you sort of power through <laughs> if you have to, right? But in this case, it was following a guide and you sort of follow the guide and I have all the tools, they're all working. You know, I had to turn on one thing and, and we talked about behind the scenes, like why that was on or off by default, which makes total sense. And once it was on, in that mode, then it was everything just sort of worked. I could run through all the tutorials. Everything worked as it expected. 
Um, there was no weirdness. And really the only weirdness was when I was like, okay, this is all sort of done for me, right. which is awesome. But now I kind of want to see on bare metal what it's like. And then that was a whole first, just getting, just getting the cluster properly running mm -hmm. uh, across like the, the guides that exist out there. Like they're all mostly correct, you know? Um, yeah. And then kind of got dangerously like, correct. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then it's like one minor little detail, one place or the other. And they're, they're incomplete too. But anyway, basically it took, it took a, a little bit just to get that bare metal experience close to what I had on the desktop. Um, right. It took like all this. And I, I know that doing that behind the seat, like having to start with that, I would have eventually done it, but it would just it would have dragged out because I didn't have something to compare it to. I didn't have a, well, is this right. whole ecosystem just broken or, you know, whatever. It's like, yeah. no, I have like something that I can see what it's supposed to look like. And then I can map that to now this bare metal thing, which and finally that got working and now it's all super smooth and great. But yeah. Um, and in the old days, right. I think to, to get back to answering Catherine's point, I would have been like, all right, Kyle, you figured it out. Let's script it up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we would have given it to Catherine or somebody else. And what are the and chances it broken? It would have broken. Cried. Right. But <laughs> if we can put that in CI now that you know we have access to, to modern technology, right. I know we can deliver a stamped out image that will still have bugs. Right. But those will be, uh, the UPS person We're we're made, we're a way better UPS than the traditional package manager. And that's, I think a, advantage of image-based systems like Fedora Silverblue, which we're derived from. We're, we're a custom image of Fedora Silverblue, where we said, this would be great for people who want to learn uh, cloud native, right? For, for our DX experience. Whereas Bluefin is just a normal Linux, it's a normal Linux desktop. I want a Fedora that felt like Ubuntu, you know? So we put the dock on the bottom and we turned on the few, few things, right? So as a general desktop, I feel like it's, that's mostly feature complete. Uh, but then the hard part then is how do we make it more useful uh, for consumption of more complex open source technology, if that, if that makes sense. And that image-based model, it just really lends itself well to know that, you know, you're always going to have the, the latest version of kind. You know? Well, you know, I will give you an example of why that's important from just by going back to the server experiment here for a second. So I have this test box, bare metal, got everything set up, have, you know, metal LB installed. So I have like proper Ooh. load balancing stuff. It's all nice. like, it's all sweet. Right. And so I've, I've, and then I got, you know, a couple of internal services just as prototypes, prototype running Helm and setting it all up with Helm on that, um, some custom configs and got everything kind of dialed in, like using shared storage with NFS and all kinds of stuff. Right. So yeah. got it all rocking on that test machine. Like, okay, cool. I have enough confidence now that maybe, again, for additional learning, I will move that to like a, to quote unquote production for my home system, which right. is I'm going to move to the, the actual server that's actually running all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. And so let me go ahead and get Kubernetes installed on that. Debian 12, Debian 12, all the same on both boxes, right? I just, this morning, actually, while we were, you know, before this, before this podcast, I said, you know what? Today's the day. Let me just go ahead and get that started. It's the same commands I ran on the other machine. Yeah. Got started. Nope. Even as of, as of the time of this podcast, there's something different. Now it could be seven different things. I'm not going to do troubleshooting on this podcast. However, like <laughs> there's th the fact of the matter is it's not an image, right? There's two different machines, even though mm. they're running the same OS. 
One of them right. was a server for a while, and one of them was a, a a blank vanilla Debian install. And so they don't match, even though if all the versions are supposed to be the same and everything else. There's something. I tried different my about. hardest to not apt install something I didn't need, but I did. Yeah, I did. And then somewhere <laughs> along the way, I did some different, you know, whatever. And so the state's different, right? And so now that so now I have to sit through and go through both machines and be like, well, what's different? You know, a lot of things, it turns out. But then that's part of the troubleshoot. But yeah, same thing with the desktop, right? Going back to the desktop, that's why an image-based thing for the desktop is so powerful because you have all your friends that are running the same distribution you are, then something breaks. And yeah. like, well, you're like, well, what did you do? It's like, you shouldn't have to say, well, what did you do? You know, it's, it's such <laughs> a, I just right. installed something. You're like, oh, well, okay. You know, it's, and then the, the Linux user group response is, well, that's your fault. You shouldn't have installed anything. And, or the Linux user group response is, you should have used my distribution instead. You're like, your sucks. Yeah. Whatever, right. Yeah. That's, that does still happen, but the, um, the frequency is much less. Yeah. Right. And, and you get, bonus features that are fantastic. So we're able to slipstream NVIDIA drivers into our images. They're just baked in as part of the image process. And it's a really powerful pattern to be able to say, all right, Kyle has a bug with his GTX 1070 or whatever. You know, uh, Kyle, when did you think it started happening? Last week? All right. I've got an NVIDIA machine. Let's, let's rebase to last Friday. Can I replicate your bug? Right, and it's like, oh no, I forgot to take a file system snapshot that day. I don't have that. It's more of a Git rebase model that yeah. that lets you do that because that's when you do your first rollback in your Kubernetes cluster, having those tags of the things that you've deployed and having the history of those artifacts in your registry that that really saves the day so many times, um, and just having that flexibility also available on your desktop especially for people that might have hardware that, uh, you know, takes a little bit of tweaking and things like that. But also when I put it on Linux friendly hardware, I feel like this is the first time an end user, you know, as, as a beta, an end user can have similar to a Chromebook experience finally, where, you know, I close my laptop, I open it and, my sound works because of course it does. Right. Like, uh, but I am also not babysitting a set of packages where every six months I have to do an upgrade and I added a third party PPA. So now I got to make sure that gets removed, you know, and then is the system as stable as it should be. You ever have that machine where you're like, I've curated this experience for years and years. And then you do a clean install and it feels like totally different. Yeah. <laughs> You know, because, but with, with this model, almost every day is almost like a clean install because every day the OS is getting built in CI, CD, and then you're getting the, uh, the changes in image atomically applied to your laptop, which is, it feels really good uh, well, when you do that. And, and the contrast is what I'm dealing with right now with my uh, families' computers, right? So my mm. many members of my family have been using Linux for a long time, and they're they're perfectly happy with it. And yeah. if, and I, you know I'm around if they need anything. But for the most part, honestly, for the last couple decades, it they've been using desktop Linux, and it hasn't been a huge. I haven't had to do nearly as much like intervention as I thought right. that I might because because they use a web like especially some of my um, older relatives just you need a web a functioning web browser and file manager and stuff like that. They don't need like heavy duty stuff. But and here's the the but is oh I'm starting to 
they're not going around upgrading their desktop all the time, right? Like yep. they're not doing it ever. So yeah. it's it's a Kyle comes over for a holiday kind of thing. Am I really going to spend my time doing a system upgrade on there? Probably not, especially because if I leave the next day, if I do it and then something breaks and I'm gone the next day, yeah. then what, you know, it's terrible. And so it, it's a, every now and then it's a, what it is is, oh, I went to a website and it's complaining that my Firefox version is too old kind of thing, right? Yeah. You get one of those and then, then you look and like, oh, great. I have to bring this entire OS up. Um, and let's cross our fingers and hope Debian doesn't do it, what it does when you dist upgrade sometimes. Uh, yeah. And so as a result, like my whole family now, when we get to the point of it's new computer time, folks, like I'm going straight to Bluefin because I know that one, it'll update all their stuff. Uh, you know, while they're using their computer, it'll just kind of get latest and greatest stuff. And so that part's solved. And, and two, it's it'll it's all sort of self maintenance and there's fewer things to break I guess you know yeah yeah I think and you just answered my question I was going to ask a question along these lines about like non developer users and this is perfect so carry on yeah and the <laughs> the great thing is like this technology this is based off OS tree and OCI uh, it's in Debian right and endless OS is is a similar uh, setup except it's based on Debian. And it's been around for a long time. The, the reason I chose Fedora is they added that layering functionality and that building it with a Docker file, which is very easy for me to quote unquote, make it feel like a distro, even though it's, it's effectively, you know, George's script that adds the codecs and does these things and, and fixes it. And then the automation, I feel like users have, they come to expect zero maintenance you know, like my, my, my dad isn't, hmm. and even, even today in like, like modern Ubuntu or whatever, it still pops up windows and stuff where it's like, choose to upgrade. And we built those at the time. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I, I worked on Ubuntu for like a long time and the mantra was kind of, you know, present the information to the user, show all the package descriptions so that they can make the choice, you know, to do that, but just make it look good. And that was considered the ease ease of use. Whereas these days you're like, well, you know, I have, uh, you know, my I set up my dad with Ubuntu machine and I don't have to touch it except every two years to up, update it. Now I'm like two years. Why so often? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I almost kind of have that, that thing, especially in a, in a world where uh, uh, Google fixed this, but the Chrome OS updates were not like they were getting short. It felt like, like by the time you got your Chromebook at schools and things like that, they were like halfway through their life cycle. And then they end up in a landfill. And I'm like, you know, if I had a normal Dell computer with a traditional Linux distro that just kind of kept going. Right. And I'm not talking about like an arch rolling release, but you know, if you were to make a Bluefin version based off a of Debian stable or, you know, a CentOS style that was more, uh, conservative in its updates because Fedora is going to give you new kernels and stuff and things like that. So I'm always kind of trying that balance where I want the continuous delivery to be fast, but I also want the option to set a throttle, whether I want aggressive kernel updates or, you know, if I want a more LTS style update mechanism. And just now distros are starting to get to this point where, you know, we'll be able to pick the throttle that we want but the delivery mechanism has to be fast and reliable and atomic. And 
what one of the reasons I've been kind of reaching out to Catherine and, and other people is to get the word out that, you know, once you use these and you get it like a decent experience and, you know, once we get more people like you involved, giving us feedback and stuff like that, and there's going to be multiple implementations of these things. Your distro is going to have a version of this, you know, whatever you're into. Um, we could really up our game as far as reliability. I've used every Linux since I've been using Linux since like 1994. And this is, I feel like I found it, you know, like this is, this is it, you know, having all the experience, having seen everything that you see and all it took, quote unquote, all it took was putting that container runtime as a primary primitive on the Linux desktop because that unlocks everything. So if you like Debian, you know, I open my terminal and I'm in Ubuntu every day, right? And I knew, I, I, I suspect Kyle has a Debian little distro box that he likes. You want to talk about that little container workflow? Oh, yeah. I mean, so I use con Control-Alt-U, man. I use your yeah. default Ubuntu shortcut and open up Ubuntu, like the regular, like that default runtime. Because I, for the most part, I'm not opening. So I'm opening terminals for sure, because I'm still used to that workflow. I still use them, you know. Yeah. Uh, and... And so when I want to do that or do something on the command line, I use, uh, so what George is talking about is Bluefin has a distro box already set up out of the box, ready to go. So if you want to do terminal types of stuff or you want to do things in a distribution that's not the default base OS, um, you can use distro box and there's a shortcut that just opens a terminal into the default Ubuntu one that I use. And then there's, oh, it, it needs a couple of tools, for example, I, you know, work on documents with LaTeX um, and, and PDF LaTeX. So, and that's a command line thing, right? And so no problem. I was able to, you know, sync over all of my files over to this particular desktop environment. Because that, again, I'm using, this is one of my main desktops now. Uh, mm. Like I'm using, I have my phone, which isn't running it. Um, and then this, like this, I'm using actually the desktop doing this more often than anything. Now, like this is like the, my main, my main Same thing. Man. I'm scared. Yeah. He's like, I'm doing this in production. I was like, oh no. Oh yeah, this is like my <laughs> this is like my full day. Like I'm my 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 work day, as it were, is on a mini PC running this. You know, and then mm -hmm. my phone is just sort of like a secondary device now, where it was sort of like my primary laptop. Now this is kind of it. And so what I say all that to say, yes. Yeah, so I do command line things, right? So I do like PDF LaTeX and compile. You know my like documents, my books, things that I'm working on um, and other command line stuff. And that's what I do for that. I don't do a lot of stuff in the regular, in the old, like the main, I guess, silver blue terminal. Uh, Cause you don't need to, right? Like that's yeah. not the, that's not the point. Now the only, the only one wrinkle as an old command line guy is when you're sitting on one of those and you're like, Oh, but I want to, now I want to open this PDF. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there's two ways you could do it. You could go into the files. You can go, you know, get your reach over across the home row and go over to no man's land where your mouse is. And you could like, <laughs> you know, like click or or you can just do a, a, a key binding and open up the search and open up like, you know, your, your document yeah. viewer. Right. You can totally do that. Or but I'm so used to like typing in the terminal, like the command, the command, in the file. Like that's the one thing I kind of had to get used to a little bit. I know technically I could just install like a second version of events inside or something inside the right. environment. I totally do that. But I'm like, yeah, but then it's the Ubuntu or Debian version of it. Like, you know, it's not like the right. nice one that I have in my, my base OS. Yeah. Yeah. Because your graphical apps are coming through FlatHub, So you get nice recent versions of all that stuff. And there's a little bit of that UX. This is one of the UX issues. I still think that needs to be solved. It's not a Bluefin problem. It's kind of a, 
um, how does a Linux desktop get to a containerized model where the apps are all using uh, portals, for example, in order to open files and things like that. And there's still that jank that bothers me where uh, I need to do an, I want to do an update because, you know, you can always do anything by hand. Oh no, but I'm inside the distro box. It has no concept of, you know, up, updating the image. So there's, there's things that I want to do there as far as I'm hoping to find a designer to like mock up what a terminal would look like, mm-hmm. you know, with like the little distro logos and you would have a dedicated host tab maybe, or, or something, whatever, whatever an expert would, uh, would, would tell us to do, but just, just by having that power of the OCI container, just to give you an example is if you wanted to learn PyTorch, right. And you go to all the instructions and it tells you, all right, pick which distro you are, right. And then you get just pages and pages of stuff. Uh, we deliver a, the NVIDIA PyTorch image with a little shortcut command and you have it. And then if you have an NVIDIA machine with a driver on it, which we do, it'll do the accelerated thing in like two commands. And it, it blew me away. I was like, wow, this is amazing because the person that submitted it wasn't a distro developer. They weren't a, they were just a, someone who was in a machine learning that was just trying to get PyTorch running, right? And found the NVIDIA container and then was figured out the distro box any file, which is five lines. <laughs> and so we just shipped that, right? And I was running PyTorch in, in two commands. Now, it's 23 gigabytes because <laughs> it's like anything machine learning is just double, double. Everything is just double digits. Just assume everything is at least double digits. Oh, only um, double? <laughs> yeah. Only double. Uh, I'm sure you see larger numbers, but um, you know, just, just the ability to get, I had my workload up and running and it was actually doing work for me. You know, where I think when we were Kyle, when we were younger, we would have, you know, sit there and hyper optimize the entire every little thing. And then maybe at the end of the night, we might actually get some work done. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that, that makes me happy that you look so happy. No, I mean the next, basically next, what it using this mini PCs now is like made me want to shift back to doing like a full, like full powered, like heavy duty powered laptop uh, mm-hmm. for like my main computer again. Uh, just because I like having all of these because tools on stuff. Like well, I just I like I like having all the tools on the machine, like on that machine that I'm in front of, you know, and yeah. having it all right there, uh, and running all of it locally right there if I want to, uh, yeah. which is you know if I'm running it off of a phone, you know, that's docked to a thing running Linux, it's not you can't it's just not powerful enough, right? So yeah, sometimes you forget how powerful local hardware can be. Yeah, well, especially now there's just I mean you can get laptops with crazy amounts of disk and RAM and everything else, right? And so, yeah, and so that's. That's probably my next step. Now, you know, I, the, of course, the, that's good for like development stuff, but I actually kind of wanted to ask you because I'm now doing this bare metal stuff. And I was wondering if you had opinions about in my Kubernetes journey and learning stuff, I have these local services that I'm, that like part of it's basically for like the learning value of like maintaining a thing locally sure. uh, is, is part of it, but like have opinions about like doing bare metal at home, like Kubernetes clusters to try out this stuff versus just, I guess, either straight up like a container by yeah, itself or whatever. Yeah. Some people do that. Right. And I, I think you should go through that journey. If you have one machine and you do, there's nothing better than after work, not dealing with anything and just typing Docker compose up. Yeah. And then just have each service in its, in its own little container. You stick a, a 
traffic traffic reverse load balancer on there you could probably you could find just tons of pre-made configs already on github you just kind of optimize it to your needs right it's service name port number you know it's 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 that yaml file and just type docker compose up everything yeah it comes up and then the maintenance for me uh when i get started it's very easy to colon latest everything until that you know remember we don't want to do that even though i totally do that on my home lab is uh you know you colon and then the major version number and really your your maintenance on that machine becomes um updating that number is is your maintenance window for and and restarting uh the services and i i enjoy to use i flatcar linux which is the old version of CoreOS, which was maintained by this company called kimvoke they got acquired by microsoft and they've done a really good job of shepherding that community and it, it's it's a kernel a container runtime and system d that's all that comes on the os you, you give it an ignition file you know i have a local login and that's all that's on the host there's nothing else on there it's 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 a tiny sliver of of my what used to be my ubuntu server you know which was already kind of small but we're talking way smaller and then it has a reboot window that i set up in the middle of the night with docker compose and then it's been running that way for five years huh. yeah and yeah however you know from a learning perspective setting up the the kubernetes the the primary primitive is the container right you're going to yeah. end up finding that you know okay these are the images and containers that i'm going to run and then whether that's docker compose or kubernetes that's just a different set of yaml files that you apply to those um, and then, yeah, that's what I like. We, we have a server image, which is basically Fedora's core OS, which is different from the original core OS. This is, this is a long story. Uh, but, uh, what's interesting about that is we build that with the same pattern. So we have a community of folks that added ZFS and the NVIDIA driver to that as well. Uh, so wait, 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 wanted... just, just back up saying you have like a, a equivalent of, of a uh, universal blue server image now. Yeah, we do. You core. What? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle's so excited. Can yeah. I just interject that this is so much fun because <laughs> I haven't, I don't remember the last time I was involved or in, you know, the vicinity of a conversation that yeah. there, were, there was this much excitement about like Linux desktop, I think probably since when I first joined Linux Journal, which was <laughs> a million years ago. Yeah. Um, so this is so much fun. Anyway, go ahead. It, it's because it's really Linux servers. It just, the payload is, gra uh, you know, graphical and it's got to do sound and it's got to do know, but it, it's yeah. like, but there's something new to talk about. And that's kind of interesting, it, right? Because so like we've talked about this before, right? How, you know, we, we've been around long enough now where we, yeah. we've seen this, you know, the er, you know, we've seen early excitement. We've seen, you know, um, enterprise success. We've seen all of these things. And then we've seen ubiquity where it's like, okay, well, Linux, you know, part of Linux journals demise was probably Linux in and of itself was not that interesting to talk about anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah. now I, that's the fun thing of, to, for me about this conversation is there's something interesting to talk about. Yeah. And you should see what these kids are doing. Like, uh, like we grew up, Hey, I set up Apache and stuff. There's people in our discord, like uh, applying kernel patches to try to get their custom image. They got it running on a steam deck with like, uh, eventually valve shipped an updated version of steam OS, but I had a newer version of the Linux kernel than like the manufacturer put on the device 
right? And you have these nerds running little benchmarks tests and they're trying to squeeze every last bit of performance, right? And then, you know, someone's like, I ran out of space. So I went and I bought a new drive and I opened it up and I soldered in a new drive. And now I'm at the, I'm at the point in my life where I was like, what are you doing? That's an expensive device. Just leave it, you know? But I've also <laughs> been that kid where, you know, yeah. rip that thing apart and, and figure it out 100%, you know? Yeah. So there's this, it's this interesting dichotomy where I'm, I'm making this because I want something for professionals for me to use at work. You know, it's like my work laptop, you know, I need it to be reliable and you know, all these kinds of things. And, but you have these kids saying, well, I get rollback. So I guess that means I could just go for it today. Exactly. You have a, <laughs> exactly. You have a safety net that you didn't before with all of this tinkering on the desktop, right? Like you, yeah. you know that you can roll back, you know, that it's, it's a lot easier to, to do that sort of thing instead of, well, instead of I installed the wrong thing and now I have to figure out how to uh, like, it's sort of like the, the traditional, Oh, I added a PPA that was untrusted and I installed some stuff and now my system's broken. What do I do? Yeah. Kind of they like, there's not that yeah. now it's just sort of a, you install the stuff and you can roll back. It's, it, it's, it's the right balance. It's it, what it does is it gives people that haven't touched a Linux desktop in a while because mm -hmm. everything's recent. They get the best foot. For, they get like the best experience you could present to somebody because they're getting like this nice stable release that things are just sort of upgrading behind the scenes. But then when they're installing software, it's like all the latest stuff. Like they're not dealing with, you know, oh, well, yeah, but just if you just if you would have only installed the latest version of Firefox or whatever it was, then you would get a better experience. Like you get all of that, you know, you get this great balance. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Once, once it's done, because the installer, we've there's some hacks in there that we are not proud of, but it's kind of like <laughs> we just got to prove the model works to get enough real people to help us out so that we can. That sounds like something that's never ever gonna get. So that sounds like one of those <laughs> things I do, and then like ten years later, I'm like, oh, I meant to yeah. fix that. Oh, but yeah. the thing is, the inst I mean, you know, the the key is to get it pre-installed anyway. I mean, honestly, so that's yeah. the thing is we get this pre-installed in major machines, and that's you know, that's to me. I mean, obviously, it's great to have an easy installer, but hopefully. For most people that need it, they don't need it. You know, that they have a machine that's already, they can buy it with it all set up. Would be yeah, awesome. the so, Fedora people have been so supportive too. It's amazing. Since, I, since we've been going a, a long time, I wanted to kind of, <laughs> sorry, I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to edit this part out. But I've been doing this thing where like I'm trying to keep it shorter so that I don't spend all night. Oh, I was like, I've got but, two more no, hours. No, no, Let's no, no, no. This is great. This is totally great. Um, because I don't want to stop because it's so good. But I also wanted to make sure because you, you keep kind of hinting at um, – at this idea of affordability, right? You're talking about, you know, the Chromebooks in the in the in the landfill and 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 how Macs are really expensive. This is something that Doc and, yeah. and I actually before we before everybody got online, we were talking about just how damned expensive um, Macs are today. And then you brought it up too. Um, but so so I wanted to I wondered if you could kind of talk a little bit more about about this idea of kind of bringing lower end hardware back to life in this world where again, you've got, you know, everyone wants their, their M3 pro max that costs $5,000 and yeah. Sustainability. And, and I, I've kind of like when I was in sabbatical kind of thinking about what I'm going to do next and stuff, I started to think about the amount of effort and thinking that's going into sustainability, uh, not just with the environment, but also in open source, because I do, mm -hmm get to see where the rubber meets the road and you see projects like Kubernetes that uh, need to get the new, the next generation. We have to train them now. Like we can't, 
Mm. We can't wait. And we need to get these people. And one of the toughest parts of my day job is open source contributors trying to get new people onboarding them. I need to work on docs. I need to do this. And there's days where it just feels like this insurmountable task of how do we, because it exploded the, the success of Linux and open source and cloud native has exploded. The, the demand is outstripped the supply of, of yeah. people. So we have to think about how we're going to train train the next generation you know i'm hoping to be on an island soon <laughs> um you know and but at the same time you know i go to my university and there's pallets of old computers uh just sitting there you know and it's like well let's put these things to work you know and, and people are trying to figure out the sustainability that's why i'm such a fan of things like the framework laptops that are that are yeah, kind of pushing that's interesting that direction Right. Like I bought that thing, like a framework laptop with Bluefin to me feels like a hello world example of my riff, my album, you know, that is the, how I want, I think we could solve this problem. We talk about access to technology for people that don't have access to, to the cloud, you know, maybe, maybe putting Linux, it's not just enough to put Linux on these laptops, Right, because they have Linux on these laptops, they have Chromebooks, right? Um, but what about a container runtime for the kids that do want to opt in and say dev mode on, right? Like like Kyle did, mm-hmm. right? And then give them access to that landscape that we have, and then just let's just see what the next generation of of kids can do with it, right? Like we haven't been around that long, and we weren't even the first distros to, to to put distro oh no i'm falling for the trap to to get running on the <laughs> steam deck those are other kind of sister projects and things like that but these are the kinds of people if there's a kid willing to rip apart his steam deck or their steam deck to, to put in a new drive and figure out how linux works and you know sit there in a discord and try to reboot and reinstall a thing five times to try to get it exactly kyle that was us oh, 20 yeah. years ago right yeah so that's that's where i kind of that's how I ended up with the kind of social, the, 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 the dinosaur. I'm trying to, I'm trying to tell a story here with the dinosaurs about, you know, um, sustainability in our ecosystems, you know, but I'm not outright saying extinction, you know, because that's a, <laughs> it's uh, morbid. The, 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 that's a story I want the community to figure out. And I'm not the only one kind of thinking like this, you know, it's just, I, I just kind of stumbled upon this thing where it was like, um, I was like, I wonder if I can make a free software version of a Chromebook ecosystem with like cockpit and this thing, uh, cockpits, are like a little web management tool, which is put that on your radar cockpit project, good stuff. And so I went to my local university cause they're always auctioning their old computers. I got a Dell 7390 for $200. It's a two in one. Right. And I, I put this thing on there and the touchscreen works. And once I got through the Wayland thing, yeah, sure. You know, did the kind of Linuxy things, but it was there. And then, but it also can run Kubernetes. Now I'm not expecting it, you know, that to be, you know, Hey, welcome to your sixth grade class. Everyone open up your terminal and run, run Kubernetes. But just having, knowing that that's there means that we could put anything there. Right. And just, I want to explore that pattern. Like, you know, I, 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 I think there might be something there. Maybe it's wishful thinking and, but you know, oh, that's how open source people think, right? Well, like when I talk, you know. 
Well, when you think about right now as as a desktop, like on desktop mode, the the fact that the with with image base you have nice containers for your de- desktop applications, right? And that there's a benefit mm-hmm. to that. But when you have in dev mode, you have like a Kubernetes runtime r- running out of the box and kind of working. That that allows you, in theory, to kind of have that same. The, the tooling isn't necessarily 100% there yet, just in the industry. There is, it's just command line, run Helm, whatever. But like, imagine I want to try out this suite of, of services that all work together, right? And I go to the app store and now I'm installing, you know, well, I mean, WordPress is an easy example. Like I want to try out WordPress right. or I want to try out NextCloud yeah. or whatever. And you have all of the stuff to maintain multiple services without it being this weird, you know, this weird sort of hacky system that's i mean you could always do that on a traditional linux desktop but then you turn right. your desktop into a server that doesn't you know but this right. is a different thing right like this right. allows because you, you get to reuse the containers that yeah. kyle is using at work in production and having that common model i think is the is the strength of the pattern when they chose to kind of model it after the oci thing that we do at work every day yeah uh i i feel like that's that's the pattern that i want to explore well, and in, and in general, there's there's you know in in enterprise at least there's this focus now on less and less homegrown stuff. Like the, things have started con- standardizing, which is great because yep. like open source is 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 reinventing fewer and fewer wheels, especially compared to you know like I mean often in the proprietary world, how many proprietary vendors have like a messaging soft you know internal messaging software or whatever yeah. right you know mm-hmm. uh, or they're shipping it. But anyway, like. We're not doing the SSH for loop config management anymore, right? That that's a solved thing. Everyone's using a standardized thing, and this is like the next level of that sort of thing. It's, what's sustainable? Not having to have like five people reinventing the same tool that does the same thing because you have an industry agreement that this is the way to, the best way to do it. You right. know, like yeah. Right. So yeah. So that's oh, cool. that, that's what I want to do. I don't know. It, well, it was interesting. I, you know, it was just going to be a toy. And then, it, you know, it, wow, this is pretty reliable for a toy, you know, and that's like, whoa. <laughs> well, that's pretty, well, that's all the greatest things, you know, kind of come to be. But I, can I just point out also that I quote you a lot lately? Um, I, it, so we did a podcast, the, an Intel one, actually. This is a while ago. And yeah. in that podcast, you said, um, you were talking about, you know, Linux and, and all, all the technology that we're talking about, we've been talking about for the last 50 minutes, um, is... It's so important and critical now. And if if the Linux kernel disappeared the next day, there'd be zombies. I quote you all yeah. the time on that because it's, yes, because <laughs> anyway, that's um, yeah. I, I just wanted to point that out because I think that's I, I think we all need to remind ourselves of that, especially when we're having this conversation about sustainability and 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 teaching and learning and all of these things. Because if 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 we forget how these things work. We're all in so much trouble. So <laughs> I just wanted to make sure to get that in before we're done. Yes. I love when you quote me because you make me sound so much smarter than I am because I'm just like this rambling mess, you know, and then you, you know yeah, how to navigate. These nuggets. Nuggets of brilliance. Yeah. yeah. That's why we're yeah. a good team, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> so, but so you, Doc, you've been over here listening this whole time. Um, <laughs> yeah. What does Doc say? I, I, I feel I like- mean, This uh, is so great. I, yeah, I enjoy- I, I, Through all of this, I'm listening thinking- Okay, so do I want to get one of uh, George's old computers that's on a pallet out back and screw around with it? And uh, we're only six hours away. I'm in Bloomington, Indiana. So oh, I will come. I will come hook you up. 
<laughs> However, yeah, personal let, delivery. Yeah, let me um, uh, let let me uh, preface this with a lot of people, right? Like, um, we this feature that we're depending on is so new that it's too new for Fedora, and Fedora is very fast moving. So this spring is when they're expecting it to land. We need the installer support to get better, and there's a bunch of things that are doing that. So I just want to preface with that. However, for the Kyles of the world, it's it's ready for us to start finishing that level of polish that we there's a lot of there's a lot of places where she kind of nips at you a little bit um so once those features do start to land i think this next year will be the year where the features will start to land um so I, yeah i just wanted to preface that but yeah i, w- I would definitely we could definitely so, meet somewhere with a with a. Laptop I mean, I haven't I haven't hit those paper cuts myself, honestly. I mean, that's the thing. The closest I get is my machine yeah, suspends, Kyle. right? Yeah. But it's like <laughs> it's like like Firefox wants to restart because it upgraded behind the scenes on me, which is awesome. You know, like that's about the yeah. close. It's not even a paper cut. That's like how it's supposed to be. I mean, the main thing yeah. for me is I suspend my machine and wake it back up, and I don't. I should probably reboot it more often just to get the even more updates. But yeah, you know. yeah, you just don't know where the bodies are buried yet. Yeah, I need yeah, to go bust don't. out a nook or something and try. I still haven't tried it. I'm I embarrassed to admit because I keep saying I'm going to, but you know, time and whatnot. Oh, it's, it's okay. This, this and... is a process, right? It's like one of those things yep. where it, it, it I've takes got the time. Stickers, though. The I mean, stickers, what I, I yeah. like, what I tell people is like, if you would like to know what the future of the Linux desktop is going to look like in a few years, install this now and you can get a preview of where everyone's going to be doing some version of this. This is it. Just makes yeah. too much sense. To not yeah. do it this way, it just is a way better way to do it. It's a way better way to organize the desktop. It gives everybody what they kind of need. You, you yeah. know, it gives yeah. you the stability you need, but also you want the latest. There's so many cool new desktop applications for Linux. Actually, like the fact oh, that the, the fact that like everyone, I think the emergence of of like FlatHub and Flatpaks in general allowed people that before was like, oh wait, I have to become like yeah. a Debian maintainer to like. Yeah, create software so forget stuff it on flat hub oh it there's is... all kinds of cool stuff now yeah it's yeah. like it's like this new golden era of like blo- all these new apps are blossoming you wouldn't even know you know unless you're in a system that allows you to see those and install them but like yeah. you see all this cool stuff now like it's, and what's it's great, great is like the, the gnome ecosystem in flat hub is awesome the kde one is like legit you know uh uh Dis- discord just announced that they're going to be taking over maintenance of their uh, flat pack so it's like more official so we can get those screen sharing this Wayland transition <laughs> things got to get done you know and that there's 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 definitely lots of it places that are improving quickly uh that's why i feel like now's now's the time to kind of lean forward in the saddle if if you're uh if you're into technology and uh the thing that we built is is docker files and bash this is like simple bash scripts and, and Python. So even if you're not familiar with cloud, but you want to kind of get going, uh, you can, you can get clone the repo. You can build it locally. Just type podman build dot, and then it'll build you an operating system image right there. You can push it to your local registry. Uh, so the, the home, the home server uh, crowd, if you don't want all these cloud dependencies on GitHub and stuff, you could totally set that up locally. Um, which is if you do set that up, I just want you to write it down, you know, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. So what I'm looking for is we're looking for contributors this, this year, I think is, and then, then I'll be ready for you, doc. 
I feel yeah. like I, it's like a, the, a career to get here, to get Doc to, 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 to try <laughs> my thing. I'm going to take a lot of work. I'll say it's the, <laughs> I'm much more of a muggle than uh, I appear to be. <laughs> eh, we're all just faking it. <laughs> oh, did I say that out loud? What? You're going to do well at it. Let me put, say yeah. that. Well, I, this is exciting. I, you know, I, I miss, I miss this kind of like nerding out about desktop and new apps. And like, I feel like yeah. we, we've got, we've moved away from that world so much. It kind of, it becomes very nostalgic, even just listening to it. And it, yeah. Anyway, it's, it's, I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to bust it out. I promise. I'll do it yeah. soon. Yeah. And if not, it just gives us more time to fix bugs. So like, I don't, don't feel yeah. bad if you don't try it because yeah. I always feel like we need more time. <laughs> Uh, but there, there's a lot of people helping us out and stuff. I don't, I don't really do a lot of day to day maintenance on it at all. There's, there's a few people who are just keep the builds green. You know, it's, it's, it's mo- we, we, we try to do an automation first strategy with all the images that we make. So if you don't like Bluefin, we have Bazite, we have KDE images, we have tiling window manager ones, we have all sorts of stuff. Uh, always, always looking for, you know, if, if there's a thing that you want to build, you can derive from it and and build what you want so that's what we want to see people doing is forking it playing with it building stuff tell the community about it and get what you want out of open source i know i like it well on that note i, I think that was a that man you see see this is where you're really good at those sound bites that was like yeah. a perfect ending. if you need and to edit out all the rambly talking. parts and only no, put the good parts no. i'm totally okay with that no no yeah. this is all good there it, this was all perfect it was all gold i cannot wait to hang out i'm so sad about scale because i knew kyle and i would close the bar out talking about this oh, the yeah. entire time mm-hmm. yeah <laughs>